0: The Apartment Rebellion will not be televised. Resident experience will be more than a buzzword. Staff experience will finally matter. It's happening right now. It's in the hands of the doers, the innovators, the boundary pushers, who are moving the industry forward, just like the people on this show. This is the Apartment Rebels podcast, hosted by Flamingo's CEO, June Chi. Welcome, friends of the rebellion, and may the force
1: be with you. So excited to have Judy Bella here on. Um, so Judy has a very very long uh, resume that's, in the that's multi-family a really nice way industry. Of it. No, it is really <laughs> exciting to meet you. I'm like, really excited that you are here. Same here. Um, so your current and most recent is you have your own consulting company. Right. So mm-hmm. very exciting. But the most random fact that I liked as I was stalking you on LinkedIn <laughs> is that you were the director of operations during the 1996 Olympics. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I actually want to share a little bit about sure. that. Sure. Like, what was that all about?
0: Oh, that was a very exciting time with my life. Yeah. Definitely a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Mm-hmm. And the way that that happened, I was with Apartment Guide at the time, which is now RentPath. Yeah. We've uh, gone through several iterations. And after being there for about 12 years, had the opportunity to make the leap to Mm -hmm. the Atlanta Olympic Committee. One of my clients had been asked by Billy Payne, the organizer of the Olympics, mm -hmm. to head up the private housing licensee for the Olympics. So this is the entity that controls um, if you have a house that you want to rent out Mm -hmm. during the Olympics or an apartment that you want to rent out, it goes through this licensee. And they control it and sort of make sure quality remain standard um, yeah. so that the city of Atlanta looks good. Yeah. So they had asked so me to come on So for people people
1: renting out part apartments, is it mm-hmm. like apartment buildings or would it be like random people kind of like we have it, Airbnb? Some,
0: some of it was operators who said, you know, we're going to devote 15 wow. units to mm-hmm. rent out during the Olympus. But other were people like you and me who just yeah. said, you know what, I have an opportunity to make a little extra cash. Yeah. I'm going to run out my apartment or run out my home. <laughs> uh, so I was the director of operations for them mm-hmm. for about nine months mm-hmm. through the game's time operating period and then several months of wrap-up. Yeah. But it was a lot of work for 18 days of the Olympics. But it was so fascinating because I was our liaison to both the Atlanta Olympic Committee Mm -hmm. and the International Olympic Committee. So I got to sit in on those meetings and get a real behind-the-scenes look Mm -hmm. at the Olympics. And then also got to meet some of the athletes, which was such a thrill yeah. and we all our our uh, our organizer yeah paid for all of us to go to the oh, opening wow. ceremony so that was that like had to be absolutely the thrill of a lifetime yeah. and so yeah you know it was a very brief part of my career mm-hmm. but a very rewarding yeah part of i can career. imagine
1: i mean something that i would like absolutely like talk about
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah no i just like love that random fact yeah, but love to learn more a little bit more about your history in the industry. Sure. So, can you kind of give us a rundown from absolutely? A to B? Yeah. So,
0: I actually was a journalism major in college. Oh, really? Really thought that I was going to be the next yeah. Pulitzer Prize winning reporter. Yeah, that did not happen. There mm-hmm. was in the mid '80s a glut of reporters on the market because mm-hmm. newspapers were folding oh, all across the country. It. So, I had to redirect. Mm-hmm. Sort of fell into this position as an assistant publisher with the apartment guide. Mm -hmm. So I was doing everything from administrative work to customer service work. Mm -hmm. About a year into that, they had a market open up on the East coast of Florida. They offered me that as the manager of that market. If you had ever told me that I would be in sales Mm -hmm. when I was in college, (laughs) I would have said, you're absolutely out of your mind. I was kind of shy. You know, I just didn't have that level of confidence. And I will tell you what you do in your career can really change that. Right. Because I am not a shy person. Mm -hmm. I'm a very confident person. One thing led to another, and I grew in that organization. Mm -hmm. And when I left 12 years later, I was the vice president of uh, the eastern part of the United States. So did the Olympic thing Mm -hmm. for a year the opportunity to try something outside of the industry and mm-hmm. went to work for a company called icon office solutions yeah. They're, i believe now part of rico okay what uh, do they do? print on demand okay. so i ran a facility for them and then ended up being a director of field sales ops for them yeah where i would go and inspect facilities and identify opportunities for improvement and growth yeah. and then got recruited back into the industry with apartment finders so back in the apartment marketing yeah. world was with them for about eight years as their VP of Sales Ops. Mm-hmm. And then through a series of events, left, took some time, did a couple little consulting di- uh, gigs, and then got recruited into RepPath, yeah. where I was their VP of National Sales. Cool, right there. So, yeah, okay. and they're right yeah. there. And they're going <laughs> to kill me if I don't come say hi to them <laughs> yeah. today. So, but yeah, I mean, it's been... It's been a really rewarding career. I've been in positions where I've had a lot of exposure and been Mm -hmm. able to be very involved in all of the national associations Mm -hmm. and a lot of the state associations. And so when I got to the point where I thought, you know, maybe it's time to do my own thing and be my own boss. I was so fortunate to have had that career because yeah. I was able to leverage all of that experience, all of those connections mm-hmm. into a consulting business. Yeah. And so as it turns out, I help mostly startup organizations yeah. who are new to the industry with everything from domain knowledge to, excuse me, excuse me. domain knowledge to Sales strategy yeah. and getting connected yeah. in the industry because it's hard when you're when you're not, when you're not mm-hmm. from the industry and you haven't been moving in the space for a while. Yeah. It's hard to get in the
1: door. And so, so I can so help many organizations answers. get in the yeah. door. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. So for you, like what do you see as the most exciting part of the multifamily industry like right now? Right now. Yeah.
0: The, uh, without question, the mm-hmm. most exciting part of the industry is companies like yours yeah. coming to the industry with your offerings. Mm-hmm having been in the space for 30-some-odd years, and yes, I just dated myself. (laughs) It's been an industry that's sometimes been very, very slow to adopt really anything new, Mm -hmm. especially new technology. So I would say in the last 10 years or so, Mm -hmm. the industry has really moved toward embracing more technology. That really kind of started with a lot of the revenue management platforms Mm -hmm. out there and then moved into other things. And... 2020 was such a tough year right for everyone yeah. and came with its challenges and it really challenged the industry to embrace a lot of new technology and so a lot of those technologies that help them interact without face-to-face contact or provide a better level of service without face-to-face contact really exploded and so I feel like the industry has sort of caught up on 30 years of technology in the span of just a few years so that to me is the very exciting thing.
1: So prior to that like why do you think the industry was so hesitant to adopt technology so when i look at other industries whether it's healthcare, you can see for healthcare, they are hesitant because of HIPAA and so many right. data issues. Right. Mm-hmm. But most other industries, when you see something that's going to give you an advantage, a strategic advantage, mm-hmm. um, save time or help you earn more revenue, everyone jumps at it like very, right. very quickly. Right. So in real estate, like why do you think there's been such a hesitation to adopt uh, technology
0: that's really a great great question I've thought about that a little bit I think part of it is simply that the industry the industry especially at the time that I started in the industry such a homegrown kind of industry very insular mm-hmm. would hire people in you know yep. at the in the lower ranks who would grow up through the organization mm-hmm. there was not a lot of recruiting from outside of the organization yeah. particularly in yeah, I would say positions of greater responsibility. So you didn't get a lot of fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that's one reason. I think also that mm-hmm. if you look at the way the industry is structured, yeah. you know, you have owners, you have owner operators, mm-hmm. you have strictly th- third-party, third-party fee managers. managers. Yeah. And so, especially for those fee managers, which are, I would say, the prevalent mm-hmm. part of the, of the industry, it's sometimes really difficult to talk a number of owners into spending money on technologies Mm -hmm. when they're not really in the weeds of the business and they can't have the same level of appreciation for how that might save money or move a business forward or streamline workflow. So, you know, and I'm sure there are a lot of other reasons, yeah. but those are sort of the two that
1: I observe. It's like so funny now yeah. you you mentioned that that there's very different perspectives on the impact that technology could mm-hmm. have based on the level of the person. So it just reminded me of a conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with a site team member where we were showing like, hey, here is um, a digital moving feature that helps you automate the moving process. So right. you don't have to chase people to submit all the requirements to move it. Mm-hmm. And there, yeah, I just like, like, oh my God, this right. is gonna save me so much right. time having the same conversation with an owner and they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> just another an email. Well, they don't get it. And
0: listen, <laughs> the owners just don't get it because yeah. they're not managing their yeah. properties. They're not spending time in that leasing office. Yeah. They aren't hearing all of the, all of the struggle and the angst mm. with leasing staffs who are so stretched thin. Yeah. So, you know, there has to be a better way, I think, at some point to be able to help owners understand that. Yeah. Um, and, and or, you know, I, I used to joke about this with my mm. husband all the time, who's also in the industry and um, led a tech company yeah. not too long ago, yeah. that, you know, if we ever started a property management company, yeah. like our baseline rule would be, if, <laughs> uh, if an owner's giving us properties to manage. Yeah. You get to stay out of it yeah. and we're making the decision. Yeah, it's like, right? we are actually managing this. Yeah. We're actually going to manage it. Mm-hmm. And you. there needs to be a level of trust where yeah. you trust us to say, Which just we're going to invest in this technology and on the back end, it's going to save yeah. us this money. Yeah. yeah, makes sense,
1: right? I would have always thought that from the owner side, that's why they hire third-party managers. Right. They're like, you are the expert here. Yeah, You make the decisions very similar to how if you hire an employee, mm-hmm. like you hire a VP to own sales or to own right. marketing, you are like, You own that. You Mm -hmm. told me what to do, where I can help. I'm not going to tell you how to run marketing because you are the marketer. Yeah. So it's surprising that a lot of owners still try to like keep the reins on.
0: They do. And, you know, I I would tell you that when I look at companies I'm really familiar with in the industry who are fee managers, I see the successful ones Mm -hmm. have built an amazing level of trust with their owners Mm -hmm. and have developed a really strong and consistent track record. Yeah. And when they do that, then owners do trust them yeah. to
1: make those decisions. But if I'm a third-party manager, like how mm-hmm. do I go about, about building that level of trust? Right. <laughs> like it's the chicken and egg problem. It's like, the chicken and egg problem. Yeah. But,
0: but, you know, it all comes down to performance, mm-hmm. right? It all comes down to um, being, setting realistic expectations for mm-hmm. owners, first of all, of all about yeah. what their returns are going to be and what needed investments will be mm-hmm. if they want to really successfully build that asset and do the typical you know, five to seven year turn yeah. and realize a great, in, great return on their investment. Yeah. The old adage, right? It takes money to make money mm-hmm. and you need to invest in properties yeah. if you really want to make money on yeah. that. Yeah. And I think often... There are just some owners who are very short sighted about oh, yeah. that, right? But then there are some who are very,
1: very progressive. Yeah. So like just top of mind, do you know owners that are really great at that, where they're like, okay. hey, we trust our third party managers like who who is doing this the best?
0: Oh wow. That's a that's a tough, and that's question. tough question. Yeah. And but- I don't know that I would want to call anyone in <laughs> particular out, um, but uh, you I know I would say doing well. <laughs> yeah, I would say one that definitely comes to mind um, is True America. Mm-hmm. Um, they you know use a variety of third-party managers, mm-hmm. and I've always always heard really great things about how they are to work with as an owner. Yeah.
1: So. Nice. And then you mentioned that one of the uh, as everyone knows, one of the big things that's happened over the last few months is a really wide adoption in technology. Mm-hmm. Something that just hasn't happened for a while. Right. But so, what are some of the pitfalls of adopting new technology?
0: Um, I, well, off the top of my head, one of the pitfalls in adopting really has to do with initial execution, right? Companies need to make sure that they're messaging the technology in the right way with the staff that is going to be most impacted by it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a fear sometimes, especially at the staff level, mm-hmm. that new technology means their jobs might be in jeopardy, right? Yeah. You're going to replace me. And that is really not the case. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at the dynamic of the industry, those on-site staffs in particular are works. so stretched then. Yeah. So messaging that technology, mm-hmm. making sure everyone understands how it's going to benefit mm-hmm. them as well as the company. Yeah. And, and really even before implementation, I think companies, a lot of companies are really struggling with how do they vet out the new technologies, mm-hmm. right? If there are several technologies who do the same or similar things... Yeah. Well, how do I how do I vet it out? How yeah. do I know which one is the right one for my yeah. company? And I think that involves giving it a lot of forethought. Mm-hmm. Asking yourself, what looks like success for me mm-hmm. with a new technology? What are the specific things I want this to do? Mm-hmm. What is the return I would like to see yeah. on this? And then really having the right conversations with companies like yourself to yeah. understand. Mm-hmm what does implementation and execution look like what does it look like if there's a glitch because Mm -hmm. listen there are glitches it's all about how you handle things right and recover from them so it's just doing their homework and um really what problem am i solving yeah right you know asking themselves what problem am i solving and then does this technology actually solve it
1: and i think that's like so key because one of the big pitfalls you see in technology adoption is picking something fancy to just do a checkup, mm-hmm. just like check the box and mm-hmm. not really asking yourself like, hey, what are the problems that we are trying to solve? And right. What are the alternatives yeah. to actually solve that problem Absolutely. and then find something that fits that? Right?
0: Yeah, yeah It's. Um, I think in any industry, there's an element of, oh, shiny penny, yeah. right? shiny new penny. Yeah. And if you're not asking yourself, what problem am I solving for? Then sometimes you're adding a new technology that really yeah. it may not be right for your business. Yeah. So that really has to be where it
1: starts. Yeah. And then so when you think about uh, uh, doing that evaluation, like who should that fall on? Should that fall on the corporate team? Should that fall on the end user? Should that fall on the owner? Well,
0: I think anytime you're you're contracting with a technology, mm-hmm. it should be a partnership. Yeah. So it's both. I think that. An owner operat- operator needs to identify within their organization mm-hmm. the right people to vet out the yeah. technology, and they need to. It needs to be cross-functional in my yeah. mind, right? You need to have the the internal constituency groups mm-hmm. who are going to be using this technology. And then you want to partner with a company that is going to be very transparent Mm -hmm. with you. Listen, I've been in situations before where I've been talking with a prospective customer and listening to their needs. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day said, you know, I don't know that my solution is exactly right for you. And that really is taking the high road and, um, taking a road of integrity. Mm -hmm. And I think there are a lot of supplier companies who do that. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately there are a lot who don't do that. And so it, it really is about creating a culture, Mm -hmm. uh, on the, on the, partner side yeah. creating a culture of we want this to be a true win-win right we yeah. want this to be a win for us of course but this needs to be a real win for our mm-hmm. customer because that's a customer that's going to have a very long life yeah and that's what anyone
1: wants yeah so then um to your point about adopting technology to mm-hmm. solve. Problems. Mm-hmm. So, from all your conversations that you've had, what are some of the key problems that owners, property managers, mm-hmm. site teams are looking to solve that technology is able to solve?
0: Well, there there are so many, right? <laughs> and depending on what <laughs> discipline you're yeah. looking at, but um, you know, again, I'll go back to the site team because it it yeah. consistently is a pain point for the industry. So, solving for um, you know things that waste their time or things that can be streamlined. I think another big one, and again is the site level, but it it really is about the success of the entire organization is looking at the resident. Yeah. Right. How to how to address the things that make residents want to live at your property longer. Yeah. And You know, the turnover rates in multifamily are extraordinarily high. And so when you can impact um, retention by even a few points, Mm -hmm. that's huge for the industry. You're saving on turnover costs. You know, you're increasing the total lifetime value of that resident. And, And you're making life easier for your rental team, for your marketing team, all of that. So technologies that allow for stronger relationships between the management company and the resident that uh, allow the management company to be incredibly responsive Mm -hmm. to the resident and also allow the leasing team to spend more of their time interacting with the resident.
1: Oh, that's absolutely right. So when we think about like the next stages in the industry, what are some of the trends that you see happening right now? And then a year from now, five years from now.
0: Well, at a very high level, one of the trends I'm seeing is Mm. there's a a pretty large amount of consolidation of larger companies. But at the same time, you're seeing all these boutique firms Mm -hmm. pop up. And they're very tech forward companies, which is really nice to see. And I think one of the trends that we will see in the coming years is that some of these young new, very tech forward property management companies are going to do things very differently. They're going to provide a whole new level of flexibility for their residents. They are going to create better experiences for their residents. And uh, I think it, it's it's like when you are in a sales environment, right? Mm-hmm. You know that if you make your product great, yeah. that if it truly solves for whatever problem they are trying to solve, then kind of the rest of it takes care of itself. Yeah. And I think we're going to see more of that in the industry. Yeah. More of we're going to spend a lot of time and focus creating. Great environment for our residents. Mm -hmm. Great communication between our residents and our leasing teams who are the front line. Great experiences so they stay longer, Mm -hmm. helping them get get connected with other residents so that they make friends in the community. And then everything else sort of takes care of itself because that's where the revenue flows
1: from.
0: I think technology will continue Mm -hmm. to grow and we'll continue to see innovations in The industry, as for what those specific innovations are, you know, it's hard to say, but I think some of them will definitely revolve around... The whole leasing process mm-hmm. and again making things
1: more convenient for the resident. Yeah.
0: Right now, still today, so much of the leasing process is business hours mm-hmm. and yeah. some hours on the weekend.
1: Which I never understood. Right? I'm I like, mean if I have a regular job, If I you have can't a regular
0: job like most people, yeah. then it's really hard to get in yeah. and see a community and Mm -hmm. meet the staff. And there are some solutions that have come out to help with that, some Mm -hmm. self-guided tour solutions and virtual tours. But at the end of the day, I think you're still going to have people who really want to see it, see it it with a member of the management team, Mm -hmm. get a feel for how they might be taken care of going forward. And so I think the industry is going to have to really get around innovating with that. And also looking at their human resources and instead of having people who are doing, who are wearing so many hats, starting to look at creating teams of people focused on disciplines um, that they can become instead of Good at a lot of things, yeah, really great. It's
1: at a particular funny that you discipline. mentioned that and mentioned how, like, the smaller companies are mm-hmm. uh, some of the ones like driving innovation. Um, recently had two conversations with uh, representatives from like Tri Cab uh, Residential, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what they are doing, right. uh, They are creating like very specialized teams, right? Because they realize that a property manager shouldn't be an accountant, shouldn't be this, shouldn't be this, shouldn't be this. So exactly. they are segmenting other responsibilities right. and they have like an engagement manager, a service manager or whatever yeah. manager. So very focused on their niche. And then what that also allows them to do is to pick someone that their personality, how the upgrade works is mm-hmm. very focused on that thing. Right. And it just works out it much, works much better. It works so
0: beautifully. And especially they have if there's like good higher retention. Communication mm-hmm. at, oh, I am sure that they do. Yeah. I think we'll see more centralized leasing teams mm-hmm. that Handle that those digital and email Mm -hmm. leads as they come in, Mm -hmm. work that lead up to the point that someone Mm. needs to come on site. Yeah. And think about that. You know, the industry has really never approached leasing as a sales company. Yeah. And creating a centralized leasing team Mm -hmm. who will do that. And so now suddenly you have a team of people who is adept at initial communication, who's adept at follow-up, who's adept at following through, and can really get that person moved along the pipeline Mm -hmm. to the point where they're now coming to look at a unit.
1: It's very interesting because that's very much how most sales organizations are right, structured. Right. Like in external industries, you have what I call sales development reps. Mm-hmm. And all they do is get that initial conversation right. going, do the qualification, mm-hmm. uh, get all the information to make sure that by the time that person is moved on to the account manager right. or the executive representative, that is a qualified lead. They That's know a amazing. timeline, a budget, right. all of those things so right. that when they come in, The chance of close is much, much higher.
0: Much higher. And think about how they do it today, right? Mm -hmm. Most companies, all of the leads go right to the site team. Mm -hmm. They're trying to cull through all those leads. And let's face it, a lot of the leads they get are completely unqualified. And they don't even get to all of the leads. So they're wasting so much time just doing that where in this other scenario now they're they're getting people coming Mm -hmm. who are pre-qualified yeah they know that they are very interested in this community and this is really just the last step yeah so now they get to just close yeah and that
1: allows you to really segment things out so for those centralized leasing it could be like lower paid employees or Mm -hmm. entry-level employees who that's one way to kind of grow their sales experience and then for the lease for the site team person it's way more exciting knowing that hey, my commission isn't dependent on getting like what do you call like crappy lease. Right, yeah, right. they kind of like if someone comes in, they are qualified. Yeah. There's a high chance of close and they're going to be a lot more enthusiastic because Absolutely. they know this is a really likely transit close.
0: Absolutely. They'll be much more enthusiastic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Property management managers will be able to very quickly identify who are the people who are really good at this. Yeah. And You're going to have happier clothes. You stay longer. We're more productive. You'll have happier residents Mm -hmm. because now they're dealing with a leasing agent who's pulling their hair out, doing so many other things that they don't have time for the person walking in, which is really, that's the most important part of their job,
1: right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And then last question. So again, going back to the difference between like, implementations or technology or adoption for large companies versus like small companies. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that the big opportunity, which is what I see for the smaller players, is that you can utilize technology to really level the playing field Absolutely. to yeah. adopt something because the point of technology is to, what I say, give people superpowers. Mm-hmm. So something that would have taken I love that. five people to do, cannot take one person right. to do. Yeah. Right. So yeah. which players do you really doing that? Well.
0: So um, there's a company headquartered out of Colorado called Red Peak. What is it called? Red Peak. Red Peak, yeah. And um, I have a couple of very good friends mm-hmm. who work for Red Peak. Jared Miller is yeah. their um, COO. Yeah. And their portfolio, they have they have a lot of different things in their portfolio, mm-hmm. right? They're really they're a boutique firm. So they have some really small properties mm-hmm. you know, where they may have 20 or 25 units. Yeah. They have some larger properties. They have everything in between. Mm -hmm. And so the economics of the leasing staff don't Mm -hmm. make a lot of sense for them at every property, right? But utilizing technologies Mm -hmm. absolutely creates a level playing field for them, completely gives them superpowers. We were just talking about this recently because they were looking at a new technology that would very seamlessly pull the the tech part of the leasing function together mm. for them, regardless of property size yeah. and what a beautiful thing, but yeah. they're, I think they're a great example. And if you haven't talked to them yet, you should, they're yes. very tech forward company. Email, Jared is fantastic. Yeah. Their whole team is fantastic. Mm-hmm. They've developed, just an amazing culture yeah. as a company and they're doing things differently than a lot of companies mm-hmm. are, right? They're not just going after all of that conventional market rate. Yeah. They've got a lot, a lot of other very cool things going yeah. on in
1: their portfolio. absolutely love that. Yeah. yeah, it really does. I love the playing field mm-hmm. and allows them to be more flexible where yes. they can adopt things like much faster right. than some of the bigger players who right. yeah, shops and catch up. You know, I
0: used to be back in the day if, if you were an owner with a you know twenty or thirty unit property, you really just couldn't afford to do a lot of things that yeah, bigger uh, players could. But that doesn't that's not true, mm-hmm. right? It's all because of technology. Yeah.
1: Oh Judy, this was uh, awesome uh, having you uh, on. I am so, so glad we finally fun. met in person. So Thank thanks you. for coming along.
0: You're so yeah. welcome. Thanks for having me.